All right, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome this morning to uh, East LJ Baptist Church. Uh, as you can tell, I am not Chad Kelly. Uh, <laughs> luckily, um, he is joined uh, a, uh, one of our associate uh, ministry teams heading out to Montana. Uh, they are out in Montana today, uh, heading to uh, Glacier View Baptist Church and Starview Baptist Church is out there. Uh, I think they had a little difficulty on Friday actually getting out to Montana. Uh, Atlanta traffic struck again, um, but they are there. They are safe uh, and heading out into the mission field today. Um, so we are joined uh, by Reverend Mark Kelly. Uh, he's going to bring us the message this morning. So excited to have him back um, preaching uh, God's word to us this morning. Uh, very excited to have you here. If you're a guest with us, we would love to get to know you. Uh, there's a small table out here in the lobby uh, where we have a small gift for you and, and would just like to get some information so that we can uh, contact you and, and see if there's ways that we can uh, just love on you as a church and get to know you better. Um, but with that being said, if everybody will stand up, look for somebody you don't know, introduce yourself, tell them something fun about you, and we'll get rolling.
watching you. And I'm thinking, I see, I've seen some of your crazy on a Friday night football game. I mean, we have, you know, and you know what? I don't think anybody, when they go to the Friday night football game and the team is winning, sits there and says, well, you know, I'm glad y'all. Hurrah. No. Anyway, join us in this last verse and like you really mean that there's victory in Jesus because brother if there isn't we're all sunk got that all right let's hit it Oh, yeah. 
just come to you this morning and uh, praise you for who you are, acknowledge you as holy God, the giver of life and sustainer of life, and uh, Lord, I know there are needs uh, in hearts today and families and circumstances and situations that you're aware of. We know you're in control even when things out of seem to be out of control. Sovereign God are you, and we acknowledge you today and we lift our hearts to you we love you lord and thank you as your children for your great care as our loving heavenly father and pray lord for those needs of the sick and hurting today we lift to you lord bereaved families and the mission team that's on the ground working lord ministering even today as they worship along with the believers out there we just ask god that you'd especially bless them with physical and spiritual strength in these days thank you for the opportunity to praise you and worship and i pray lord as we come to the reading and hearing and preaching of your word father that you would just anoint it with your holy spirit and that Christ in us, uh, the hope of glory, uh, might shine through and, and the Holy Spirit encourage us together, convict and convert, uh, convince us of your righteousness, Lord, that we might uh, just seek to live uh, according to the uh, great privilege and honor we have to be called your children. And we pray and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look together in God's word in Hosea chapter 7. It's not that long a chapter, so I'm going to read it for context. Uh, If you'd like to follow along, I'm reading from the King James Version. Hosea chapter 7. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria. For they commit falsehood, and the thief cometh in, and the troop of robbers spoileth without. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own doings have beset them about. They are before my face. They make the king glad with their wickedness and the princes with their lies. They are all adulterers as an oven heated by the baker who seetheth from raising after he hath kneaded the dough until it be leavened. 
In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretched out his hand with scorners, for they have made ready their heart like an oven, whilst they lie in wait. Their baker sleepeth all the night. In the morning it burneth as a flaming fire, and they are all hot as an oven, and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. There is none among them that calleth unto me. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowl of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. Woe unto them, for they have fled from me. Destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. And they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assembled themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. Though I have bound and strengthened their arms, yet do they imagine mischief against me. They return, but not to the Most High. They are like a deceitful bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the rage of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. So, Hosea chapter seven uh, talking today you saw that passage of scripture uh, not a light passage for us to consider today uh, I assure you I won't try and cover all of uh, that chapter but I want to speak this morning on the subject of a spiritual inventory kind of for context here just uh, the prophet is, is speaking on behalf of God to an unfaithful people. And over in chapter 8, uh, verse 14, it, they had a false joy uh, because Israel had forgotten her maker. Uh, it seems that they're just, it's as if they were unaware uh, of their spiritual condition and they were sinful uh, they were uh, a backslidden people of God and here in chapter 7 there's a correction uh, in order to cause obedience or bring about obedience uh, there's a reproof of the northern kingdom uh, and its sin uh, the ten tribes of Israel making up the northern kingdom. Ephraim uh, was mentioned there, um, the uh, uh, largest of the twelve tribe, uh, ten tribes rather, of the northern kingdom. Uh, Samaria, the capital, is mentioned. Uh, and uh, this was a place of, of commerce. There was a lot of coming and going, a lot of mixture of, of people. Um, Verse 8 uh, in our text uh, says mixed among the people. And because of that, 
they were no longer uh, a separate people, uh, a holy people that were separated unto God and his service. And there's an exhortation there that they would repent of that uh, lack of awareness of who God is and his righteousness and his demand and commands to live as his righteous people. And so uh, repent uh, was the message and, and live for God. And that's what we want to do as the people of God. We want to stay prayed up and, and ready to serve God, uh, listening to God as he speaks, whatever the situation might be as we uh, hear from God. Uh, and, and today we're excited to see uh, even the working of the Holy Spirit as evidenced here in this young lady's life. Uh, thank you, uh, folks, for... praying with her. But as we think about a spiritual inventory today, uh, I wonder today, probably some of us have been involved in taking an inventory on the job. Uh, that's usually a bad uh, uh, word, inventory, or, or a time that we don't really enjoy, right? You know, you got to count every uh, paper clip and uh, but most factories and, and stores uh, maybe even shut down for a time to take inventory, uh, we say. And I know uh, with all the advanced computer technology, uh, a lot of that can be done without closing the doors. But when it comes to taking a spiritual inventory, we need to just pause, as we are right now, and, and do an, an accounting, if you will, of our lives a spiritual inventory, a counting of our hearts. And more important than taking the inventory on the job is doing a personal, thorough, spiritual inventory of our hearts. It's been said recently that we're living in the worst of times, but at the same time, in the best of times. We are at war. We uh, have a church we go by all the time at uh, our house in Dalton uh, and uh, it says God loves you whether you like it or not I kind of like that but we're at war whether you like it or not it's a spiritual warfare and it's not uh, fought with uh, weapons of uh, made of man but rather with the spirit Things of the Spirit, the Bible talks about that. And our world is, is perhaps more receptive of the gospel, the truth that Jesus Christ came, lived a, sinful, a sinless life, uh, uh, died a sinless death, uh, a sinless life, a sinless death, uh, was buried, was raised from the dead, ascended back to his former glory, on high where he sits at the right hand of the heavenly father where he ever liveth to make intercession for us today. And that's the truth that we need to be sharing with the world today. We're at war, a spiritual warfare, but, but the, the, the word of God needs to be uh, shared today. Uh, just like your team sharing uh, out west uh, this morning, but, but also right here where we are within our families, 
maybe in the factory or a place of business uh, among uh, those that we come in contact with. Um, and I think perhaps the gospel is more uh, better received today than, than perhaps any time in my time, my lifetime at least, and how desperately the world needs uh, to hear the gospel, uh, how desperately the, need to, uh, the world needs to hear that they need the Lord. Uh, it's like that song says, people need the Lord. At the end of broken t uh, lives, uh, when will they realize that people need the Lord? When will we realize that people need the Lord? But, but I want you to hear me today, church. The church must first be revived before we'll see people come to the Lord. I'm talking about people, uh, not just an occasional person being saved, but, but uh, family members, friends, people perhaps that we've been praying for for a long time. I have a friend I know it's been 40-something years that I've prayed for him, and just recently he uh, came to faith in, in Christ, and I had an opportunity to talk to him and uh, after that, and, and others were involved in that for, for many, many years. God's still in the miracle-working business. God's still saving people. But we need to keep praying, and we need to keep working uh, and, and, and share the gospel because people need the Lord. But until as God's people we humble ourselves and pray and confess and repent of our sin and seek God's forgiveness and restoration, we won't see people uh, turn to God. 1 Peter 4, 17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Church, throughout the, the word of God, we read of the sins of his people, followed by either repentance, listen church, and forgiveness, or hardness of heart and judgment on our sin, even as the people of God. Now, as in Israel's history, God, through Hosea here, asked us as his people today. God's word still speaks, Old Testament and New, to examine ourselves, that we might truly know our hearts, know what is in our hearts, what our hearts are, are really uh, relying on, depending on, uh, how our hearts are sensitive to God's Spirit. And he uses some familiar things of everyday life to lead us in this spiritual inventory this morning. In verse 8, his people are like a cake not turned. A cake not turned. Uh, the idea here is uh, kind of doughy, if you will, on one side. Or we use the term sometimes half-baked. You know, we sometimes go off... Uh, half-baked, uh, half-hearted uh, in our allegiance to God is the, is the idea. My wife can tell you more about this. I'm not a cook, but my mother made some of the best cornbread you've ever had. And she had a little uh, black skillet, and she'd mix up her cornbread, pour it in the back, put, put some oil in it, pour that uh, cornbread batter in there, and, and she'd cook it on the top of the stove. And at just the right time, It'd be done and crispy on the bottom, but at just the right time, she'd turn it over and cook the other side. I like crust. I like crust all the way around. But it allowed it to be thoroughly baked, not half-baked. 
not a cake not turned. And this raises the question for every believer today, am I a half-baked Christian? Or, to put it another way, does the fire of God's Word and the power of His Spirit go down deep into my life, doing its work? Or is my life uh, as a Christian uh, a shallow and superficial sort of experience and, and existence? What kind of life am I living? Charles Spurgeon, great Baptist preacher in London many years ago, had a pastor friend, Dr. Newman Hall, who wrote a book entitled, Come to Jesus. But it seems that uh, another preacher wrote an article that ridiculed Dr. Hall's book, uh, and, and Dr. Hall uh, bore it patiently for a while. But when the article gained popularity and just wouldn't go away, Dr. Hall sat down and he, he, he wrote a letter of protest to this other preacher and to the public. And his answer was full of retaliation uh, that outdid everything that the other preacher uh, had said that, that attacked him and his book. But before mailing the letter, Dr. Hall took it to his friend, Charles Spurgeon. He wanted his opinion on, on his letter of reply. Spurgeon read it carefully, and, and then he handed it back to Dr. Hall, and he agreed with him. It, it was very good, and all that that other preacher de deserved uh, was written in his response. Uh, everything was true that Dr. Hall said about the other preacher. But, Spurgeon added, it just lacks one thing, Dr. Hall. And after a short pa pause, Spurgeon continued to speak, and he said, underneath your signature on your letter, sign it, Dr. Hall, but underneath your signature, you ought to write, you guessed it, author of Come to Jesus. He was right, but he wasn't going about it right. Everything he said in reply in this letter that he was about to send to the antagonizing other preacher about his book was true, but how would that be received? Sometimes we do go off half-cocked or come up with some half-baked idea that we think is pretty good but really doesn't line up with Scripture, doesn't really reflect the love of Jesus Christ. The two godly men looked at each other and then Dr. Hall tore his letter up and decided, you know, that's really not the Christ-like thing to do. I think we ought to ask ourselves, does the Word of God really make a difference about how I view the things that are in the world and that come into my life? Ask yourself today, do you, do I, view sin as God views sin? How's my heart? What about down deep? What kind of Christian am I really? Remember, the Bible says of Jesus when he was reviled, what? He reviled not again. 
verse 9, God says we have gray hairs. You see that? Some folks' hair turns gray and some folks' hair turns loose. God only made so many perfect heads and the rest he covered with hair. But seriously, gray hairs are a sign of, of old age. Uh, declining powers here uh, is indicated. Now that's not to say that maturity isn't a good thing. It is. But they weren't spiritually mature. That was the problem. What about us? It seems God's people were getting old and weak spiritually and yet they didn't realize it. Look there. Strangers devoured their strength. Verse 9. I thought about familiar Bible story. Remember old Samson? They tried to when, when, when they uh, came after uh, Samson, he tried to use strength that he didn't have. He no longer possessed the strength that he once had. The Bible says, Samson awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out uh, as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist or knew not that the Lord had departed from him. What about our spiritual strength? You remember, oh, Caleb? Caleb was one of the two spies that went out and said, yes, we can take the land. The minority uh, said, yes, we can take the land. And, and the ten, the majority, said, oh, no, we can't do that. But later, they were able to, to take the land. And, and Caleb said that he was, in a sense, I'm paraphrasing here, I'm as, I'm as strong as I ever was. Let me have that mountain. Give me my, my promised land in the, the mountain area. I, I wonder today, how strong are we? Are, are we as strong as we once were? Maybe uh, after we were saved for a while and, and had been in, in the study of God's word and, and uh, uh, with a servant heart, reaching out to others with the gospel and, and serving him in uh, whatever kind of ministry for his glory. I think as we take this spiritual inventory this morning, we must ask ourselves, how strong is my spiritual life? Do I try to serve the Lord in my own strength? Am I, am I pretending to be something that I'm not? Maybe deceiving others and deceiving myself? Even to be pretending to be spiritually vigorous when, when sins rob me of God's strength, the power of God? You know, just a, a general rule. If God's not in it, if the Holy Spirit's not on it, you can just know there's no power in it. And that's all we are without God, right? If God's not in it, if the Holy Spirit's not on it, then, then it's for naught. But if we're surrendered to God, if we're, if we're a, a, a walking in, in His strength and not our own, then, then God can do something even with the least of us. And so we need to take that spiritual inventory and, and be serious before God today. Uh, someone put it like this. Stay with me. 
be who you is, because if you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't. You get it, church? Be who you is, because if you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't. We need to be real today. Praise God. We need to be open to God today. What God's doing. It's not about us. It's all about Him. Amen? Continuing on in verse 11, God compares His backslidden people to a silly dove. Verse 11. Without sense is the idea, or fickle we might say. You know that term, fickle. Hosea watches the people of God flitted between Egypt and Assyria. You see that here in the text. First leaning to one and then to the other. And the picture there is that these silly doves could be easily snared and trapped by the enemy. And listen, our enemy is sin in the believer's life. And we need to be careful. We need to be on guard. We need to be ready even uh, to share the, the good news of the gospel of, of Christ, to be a, a positive testimony of his, love, of his love every opportunity we have. But they were acting as silly doves, and they were in a, a very treacherous situation because God was going to judge their unfaithfulness. Hosea watches the people of God fitted between Egypt and Assyria, I said, and, and how much like that his people are today. One foot in the kingdom of God, and we try this, and the other in the world. One day wanting to walk with the Lord, and the next day running after the things of the world. But James 1.18 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You see, the, the silly dove that flits from one thrill or enticement to another soon finds herself without refuge and all alone. Oh, today how professing Christians uh, even jump from this to that, from that to this, uh, out there in the world today and even in the church in a constant uh, run to nowhere. And when they finally slow down enough, we, we tend to reflect too late on our lives. But if we'll reflect on our lives, we'll find uh, we're only empty, silly doves uh, chasing this quest or another without the, the power of God we've talked about already. A spiritual inventory requires us to ask ourselves, how serious is my surrender and devotion to holy God? You with me in this spiritual inventory today? In verse 16, the people of God are likened finally to a deceitful bow. What does that mean? It means it's an unreliable weapon is the idea here. The NIV, I believe it is, says faulty bow. New King James says a treacherous bow. Beloved of God, I've said it already, we're in a spiritual warfare whether we like it or not and whether we admit it or not. And a crooked weapon won't work. It cannot be trusted. 
The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. And this prompts us to ask ourselves this morning, how dependable is my Christian life. Can my brothers and sisters in my church, in my family, count on me? Can God, those fellow believers, and those outside the church depend on me to walk by faith and not by sight, not in my own strength, but in the the strength of the Lord? Can my church depend on me to to walk as a servant of our Lord and, and minister in His name and for His glory? Howard Hendricks, great uh, seminary professor, said, Great impressions can be made from a distance, but reality can only be tested up close. That's true, isn't it? Great impressions can be made from a distance. Greg, if we're looking at that 55 Chevrolet out there in the uh, parking lot, it might look pretty good from a distance. We'd have to get up a little bit closer to see if it had a good paint job or bondo or whatever it was, or if it was a rust bucket. Great impressions can be made from a distance, but, but reality can only be tested up close. Church, just kind of wrapping it up, if you will, I'll say in closing, but I've got more. Here here are four very important questions regarding our lives as followers of Christ that we really and truly need to consider when we're undertaking a, a, a genuine, heartfelt, meaningful spiritual inventory. Are you accounting with me? Are you inventorying with me? More important, are you in sync with God and His Word? in this inventory. Verse 8, we've already said, how deep is it? How strong is it? Verse 9. How serious is it? Verse 11. And how dependable is it? Verse 16. Isn't that what this passage is talking about? Isn't that what it's challenging us to be and do even this morning, and not just this morning, but, but as we, we live and breathe and walk and share and, and, and just enjoy God's manifold blessings and, and the abundant life, but also looking forward to eternity. This young lady has eternity promised now because of faith, by grace through faith in Christ alone. You see, the answer to those four questions are are vitally important for our own spiritual well-being. Besides the cause of of, of revival in our our churches and spiritual renewal, even in the land that we live in today, and and brother, it needs it. Our world needs revival. I mean, true salvation and, and a change of heart and direction. Paul told the Corinthian believers, if we would judge ourselves... We should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. You see, Israel was in a bad place. 
because they were in sin, ignoring God, and they weren't even aware of it. They were children of Abraham, and they thought that they had it made. No, listen, friend, if you don't know Christ today, personally, as your Savior and Lord of your life, then there's no hope beyond this life. You're out of sync with God's plan when he created you, birthed you into this world, and, and, and by grace through faith gave you opportunity to know him personally. And that's not a good place to be. But church, if you know Christ today, Christian friend, if, if you're a child of God today, there's a real danger that, that we miss what God has for us because we fail to check up. That's all we're talking about. Just, just check up in our lives. We need to stay checked in with God, but we need to check up. We need to allow God to work in our hearts as Christians. Listen, I mentioned my friend. He's probably six or seven years older than I am. But you know, I, I look at people today maybe differently than I did when I was 16 and was saved at the age of 16. I, I hope I see people as those for whom Christ died, whoever they are. Little girl, 80-year-old man. But you know, when we, when we see people every day and know that they don't know our Lord, that's a serious matter. It's something we need to give attention to. Amen? I mean, we, we need to be on mission for God to get the gospel out. And certainly to the nations, but, but even right here where we, where we live. I'm just giving you scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, 31, 32 is what we just looked at. That's what God's word says. Helen Steiner Rice said this, Show me the way, not to fortune and fame, not how to win laurels or praise for my name, but show me the way to spread the great story Thy, that thy kingdom, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That's what it's about. That's the need, I believe, constantly for us to do a, a spiritual inventory. Uh, old preachers used to say we, ought, say we ought to keep a short account with God, right? Even to, to stay in touch and, and, and to be real with God. We might as well be honest with him. He knows our hearts anyway. Chuck Swindoll, I love Chuck Swindoll. He's, he's, he's one of those preachers that uh, you can tell he's done the work, but he doesn't have to show off about it. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he, just, he shows you his work, and, and he, he, he gives you the scripture. He's, he's explaining the scripture. But he's a great preacher and communicator, and, and uh, I, I read about one time in his pulpit, uh, he put on a, one of those huge, ugly masks. Now, I don't know, but it's said that there's a certain pastor in East Elegy that's used some costumes up here. I don't know much about that, but uh, Chuck Swindoll did it. I guess it's okay. Uh, he put this, well, you know, you've seen those just ugly. So sometimes they, you know, put them on when they're going to rob a bank or something. I mean, just an ugly, ugly mask. 
and he began speaking on this subject of being authentic. And he stood up there pressing his points one after another and, and the audience was just busting out in laughter. But why? You know why. It's impossible to be very convincing while you're wearing a mask. Did that hurt on your toes? That's not far enough. How about your heart? It's impossible to be authentic, to be very convincing while you're wearing a mask. But then finally, Swindoll pulled off his mask and almost immediately, everyone in the congregation settled down and they, they got his point. And you know, it's a funny thing. When wearing a, a literal mask, nobody's fooled. But how easy it is to wear an invisible mask and fake it. You can't fake it till you make it with God. Fooling people day in and day out might, might be possible, but sometimes people even try it their whole life long. Did you know the word hypocrite comes from the ancient Greek plays? I know you've heard this, but an actor would place a large grinning mask uh, in front of his face and, and he'd quote his comedy lines as the audience roared with laughter. And then he'd go backstage and put on a frowning mask and come back out and quote his sad lines, lines of tragedy, and, and the audience would moan and, and weep even sometimes. He was called a hypocritos one who wears a mask. I wonder today, will you be real with God this morning in this spiritual inventory? Personally, you. Nobody else on the pew. Just, just you. Will you be honest with God and where you've been hypocritical, will you confess that and ask God to forgive you of it that you might be revived and, and restored to real usefulness in his kingdom's work? I don't know who you are. God knows. I know who I am as best I can know. And I know I need a checkup. I mean, regular. Just ask my wife. I need a regular checkup, and so do you. Will you ask him to do a work down deep in your heart today? You know, they say good preaching tells you what it's going to tell you. Then it tells you what it's going to tell you. And then it tells you what it told you. Would you ask him to do a work down deep in your heart? For some, again, it may be for salvation. For perhaps most of us, it will be for true surrender. Will you ask him to empower you or strengthen you to do his work, to restore that vitality as his servant? Will you get serious this morning in your allegiance to him and him alone by rejecting the world and its ways and obeying his word and his way? Will you give him your thought life and report for duty in service in God's army as you resist the devil and all the forces of evil and live as more than an overcomer through Jesus Christ your Lord. Will you? Whatever your need is today, if you will, I just pray that you'll respond to, to him 
with your whole heart today. Pray with me as we come to this time of invitation and uh, hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you, Lord, that uh, this altar is, is open and that your Holy Spirit's still alive and working in hearts and lives. And I just pray you'd have your own sweet will in our hearts today, each one of us, Lord, for your glory, some perhaps for salvation, others for a renewed sense of uh, the importance of our surrender and yieldedness to your will and not our own. For your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be down here at the front. There are others. If you need to make a public decision, you come as we pray.
Is he worthy? Is he worthy? 